Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Nolene talking about Step 1. Hi everyone, I'm Nolene and I'm an alcoholic. And um, my home group for 20 years was the um, Bendigo Beginners, which um, David um, started in Bendigo 22 years ago. And um, yeah, this year I'm 22 years sober, but you know, I was a part of that group for so long. And um, and last year I chose to leave Bendigo and, and moved around a bit. So, but having a home group to me is one of the most important things I could do um, because we talk about, you know, um, working with others, even though this isn't step one, but that's what was the start for my recovery, was getting being part of a group. Um, when I started drinking, I'm not going to go back to when I first started because when I first started, I was like 16 and I wasn't... I don't believe I drank alcoholically then. Mind you, if I picked up a drink, I couldn't stop. However, um, there was other... You know, there's a bit more of a story to the way that I drank back then and the way that I partied because I had no responsibilities. I believe my um, uh, alcoholic drinking started after I had my first child. Um, when I was 23, um, I found myself pregnant and um, due to my behaviour of just being out there, you know, and um, my mother died when I was when my I was seven months pregnant with my first child. So back then I didn't understand what these feelings were. I didn't know what it was like to grieve. I didn't understand, you know, anything about emotions. Um, what I learnt was that when I picked up a drink, it helped me cope. It helped me sleep. It helped me feel normal. And what I learnt was that about this progressiveness of this disease is that when my that child was six months old, I took myself off to Queensland and um, we lived in a caravan park. Um, and in that caravan park, because I was a single mum and everybody else was on a pension, we drank a lot of cast wine and um, it's where I was introduced to cast wine. So if you had um, money one week and you didn't have money the next week, everyone was shouting you, you know, it was just full on. Um, and because of what I've learnt about this disease and this illness now, um, over the years, that's when my alcoholic cycle started and I can remember times in that caravan park of um, you know driving drunk with my little girl in the back of the car I can remember getting into relationships that weren't healthy um, I can remember leaving that child in the caravan asleep and going off to the pub and then coming back and thank God she was still asleep. A lot of stuff I'm not proud of, but I'm an alcoholic and I drank alcoholically 
because it made me feel normal, or so I thought. I crossed the line um, in that caravan park and we were there for three years. We moved back to Melbourne, got back with Hayley's father and um, after ten years of being, sorry, seven years of being back with him, I, I was pregnant again with my second child, Rebecca. By then we'd moved to Heathcote because we're going to bring the kids up in the country and um, life's going to be happy, um, you know. Didn't know about buying water, um, you know. If you lost your job, you um, had to, you know, be responsible to find a way to, to have a mortgage and all this sort of stuff, um, you know. So good old dad um, took himself off to Melbourne, where his friends were, where he could work, and left this... Um, little black duck at home with kids. That was an excuse to drink and um, because of the way that I was and I crossed that line in that caravan park, even though I didn't drink that way for a while, the progressiveness of the disease in me started that thinking again. So when I was living in Heathcote, um, we had eight acres, we had a nice home. And after a year of living there, um, Peter lost his job and I was pregnant again with a third child. Um, anyway, and then he went back to uni and so the resentment was building up. It was all resentment about this man who all he was trying to do was look after a family. Um, and because of the way I drank, I'd become a cupboard drinker and I hid it. So good old dad would take himself off to Melbourne again and I'd be at home with the kids and I'd be drinking. So that child that I first had was now 12 and she was coming home to a, a drunk mother. And I can tell you, she was the, she'd be the one that could tell you more about me when I drank than I can, because a lot of it was in blackout. And when the little ones were little, I, I worked it out that um, Haley would go off to school in the morning on the little bus, and I'd drink, and then when put them to sleep, and then I could sleep, and then hopefully by the time she'd come home, I'd be sober. But those little ones grew up a little bit too and they stopped sleeping so I couldn't have me sleep and it just progressed. And within four years of drinking like that, becoming a cupboard drinker, hiding it, um, I ended up... Um, the biggest fear for me was getting found out of, of what I was actually doing and, um, and Peter didn't know what I was doing or said he didn't know. And um, when he came home one day, um, I was at the ironing board trying to iron blind drunk, pretending I was sober. And that was the start. That was the start of my recovery that I know now. <clears throat> it was still, a, you know, probably six months before um, I got myself into a detox. I didn't get myself into a detox. My sister did. She was my support. Peter even had her come from Warrnambool 
to stay with me for a week so that I wouldn't drink. And she saw the way that I was living, you know. One, one child would wake up and so I'd get out of bed and I'd get him back to sleep and then the other child would wake up so I'd get into bed and I'd get her to sleep and I was just, I was mad, absolutely mad. There's insanity. I was insane. And I blamed that house. I blamed the isolation but I was isolating myself. I know that today but I didn't know that back then. Um, so anyway, okay, so I ended up in a detox. For me to be standing here, thank God, I can't even see you because that light's there, thank God. <laughs> you know, first time I'm in detox, I get out, um, I go back to Warrnambool, you know, my sister comes with me to the first meeting. It's chock-a-block full of people because it's in Warrnambool's anniversary and, and I get asked to share and stupid me says yes. And I say, and sit down and start bawling. Got no idea what anyone said. Got no idea what the steps were that were on the wall. I, I had no idea because I, I was just there for a reason. So I decided to move my kids from, uh, where was I? Heathcote. And I packed them up and moved them to Bendigo. And this is where I met Chris and this is where I met David. And this is where I met a lot of people in, a, um, in the 12-step program in AA and a real fellowship. Bendigo has an amazing fellowship. Um, but I didn't stay sober. I couldn't accept that I was an alcoholic. I was still blaming I was blaming my ex-husband. I was blaming, you know, situation. I was blaming that we weren't together anymore. I'd go to AA meetings and I'd hear all these people with their families back together. Why am I getting it? You know what I mean? So I'd get resentful on the slightest little thing. I was working. I had kids and all the rest of it, you know, and um, I was trying so hard but I wasn't getting the pat on the back from the ones that I wanted the pat on the back from. I was from the AA mates. That's, that was great every time I went to a meeting. When I went home, it was hell. And I got resentful and I got poor me and I got tired and I got thirsty and I got all the rest of it that comes with it. Then I dropped off meetings and then I even become dishonest with my sponsor um, about the, what I was doing. So I did. I got to step one. Um, and it was in a way that I don't, um, I'll never forget. I didn't want to be here. I hated AA. Never wanted to be in the meetings. Um, you know, I don't want to go to the, listen to their stories again. You know, like I said, Bendigo small, you know, stories one after the other, same, same, same. But it was the way my head was thinking, you know, and it was, it was that, that madness still that, that was talked about before. So I remember it really well when I finally got to step one. And even though also back then I used to go to the steps meetings, David was part of that too, and another man um, that started the steps. Um, but anyway, that was my home group, that one, and the beginners. 
you know. But I believe I went from step one straight to step four and I forgot about the in-between steps because I was still mad. And I could admit that I was powerless over alcohol. I, didn't, I forgot about the second part of step, step one. My life was still so totally unmanageable and that's, that's what was going on. It was because I couldn't get my life back manageable again straight away that I got resentful and I got, you know, nasty. And, um, and I picked up a drink and it was the look on my daughter's eye, who lies, she was 13, and I'll never forget it. And it was that, that look in her eye and she knew. Straight to the phone, rang up her dad, we didn't have mobiles then, you know, round to the phone box, I don't know. And it was felt like five minutes and Peter was, Peter was to Bendigo, it was two hours. Peter was in Bendigo and I took myself off to a meeting. I had a little blue Datsun and um, everyone knew that car and I jumped in my little blue Datsun and I drove to the meeting blind. But I said I wouldn't go into the meeting because I didn't want to be in the meeting drunk and I sat outside and um, my sponsor at the time was there of course and she um, had a talk with me and, um, and loved me back to um, life, I guess, after that night, because I went back and I stayed at her place for a couple of days. Couldn't go home, too scared. Couldn't face anything. Um, it was horrible. Um, and anyone who's an alcoholic knows exactly what I'm talking about, the remorse and the guilt and the shame and all the rest of it because I picked up another drink. So it was at the Wednesday meeting um, I remember going to and I felt weird. I felt this unbelievable feeling that I wanted to be in these rooms. I wanted to be here and I wanted to... I stopped fighting, I surrendered and I wanted to be a part of this fellowship and, um, and not only did I admit that I was powerless over alcohol, I totally accepted it. You know, and then for me, my journey was about getting my life back manageable again. And as I said, I went from step one, first part of step one to step four. And um, it took me a bit of a journey to go back and to revisit those steps again um, at times of my recovery. I might not have picked up a drink, but there was times in the decisions in my head that I made um, didn't work out. Um, and um, so I'd have to go back and I, I went back and I started at step one again um, and I'd make a list of the things that I needed to do to get my life back manageable again. So the steps have helped me in, in lots of areas of my life, you know. Um, I always say to people that, you know, step one, the, it's the only step that mentions alcohol. The rest of the steps is a way to live, you know, and um, and my life became manageable again and I became to understand what that step was really about. It is powerful step, step one, because without step one I can't do nothing else really. I need to accept that I'm an alcoholic and that I'm powerless over alcohol and my life was unmanageable. 
and I'm just about done. I don't even think I could stand here and talk for 20 minutes. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I thank you and I thank the group for asking me to share. Have a good weekend. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.